Tonight's episode of the Highmark Coaches Show was recorded prior to Tuesday night's game against the Colorado Avalanche. Thanks for tuning in. We are back from the All-Star break and right back at it here on the Highmark Coaches Show. A new episode for you here on the Penguins Radio Network and great to be joined once again by Penguins head coach Mike Sullivan. Rested and recharged and refueled for the stretch run here. Uh, coach, always appreciate your time. Sure, my pleasure, Josh. So I'll ask you this. The, uh, the break was long in a way over a week for the penguins between games that lost to san jose at the end of january hosting the avalanche tuesday night uh february 7th in pittsburgh what'd you do how'd you uh did you rest did you recharge did you kind of take some steps away from hockey or were you dialed in the whole time through yeah no i did i got an opportunity to get away from it a little bit my wife and i went down to the florida keys and spent a few days down there just uh just to get away from it a bit and and re-energize here for uh, for the stretch run. So I'm excited to get back on the ice and uh, excited to get going again. Did you watch any of the All-Star festivities or were you, you kind of removed from just the, the whole thing going on down there at Sunrise? Uh, I was back in Pittsburgh for for the, uh, for the those festivities. So uh, I did watch a little bit of it. I didn't pay close attention to it, but uh, I, did, I did watch a little bit of it. I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but if you're watching that skills competition, is there anything Mike Sullivan's going to jump in and participate in way back in your in your playing days? Uh, probably not. I, I, was, <laughs> I thought that uh, might be the answer. Yeah, I did participate one year in the fastest skate competition, and that that'd probably be the only thing that I might have had a chance at. But I'm not so sure in today's game; these guys are faster than ever. They are. Yeah. Well, it was obviously a busy weekend. Sidney Crosby uh, and his team got knocked out the Metro All Stars in that semifinal matchup but a successful weekend nonetheless for him down there in southern florida you mentioned the team being back at practice here the last couple of days going into a game against colorado and then of course that california trip that takes us into the weekend uh, how do the players seem to you do they do you sense a, a refreshment or, or a bit of a recharge amongst the the group on the ice yeah i do i i think they're excited about uh about the stretch run here i think uh you know, we didn't end uh, going into the break the way we had we had hoped and the way we had wanted. We know we're capable of being a better team, and, and we know what our challenges are in order to get there. And uh, this is a veteran group. I think they understand it. Uh, the solutions are within our dressing room. Now we've got to figure it out. And, and so uh, I think they're excited to get back on the ice and, uh, and, and put our best foot forward here and gives our, give ourselves the best chance to – uh, you know, to make the playoffs and contend for the Stanley Cup, which is ultimately what we're what what we're all here for. Team comes back, has a couple quality practices, longer skates on Sunday and Monday before hosting the Avalanche last night. Uh, what was your message, kind of coming out of that break to your team, in the sense of getting together in the room, getting on the ice, and kind of just refocusing here for the final 33 games? Yeah, so you know, we talked to them about uh, about just starting fresh. And uh, and being a forward-thinking group, you know, we, we can acknowledge uh, what's gone on here in the first 50 games of the season. Uh, the reality is, the most important hockey is in front of us, and and we have control over our own destiny. And uh, we're going to have to go out and earn it every night, and 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 that's the most important thing. But uh, but just having a, a, a fresh mindset. Uh, you know, each individual can can look at their season to this point, and and whether you like what you've accomplished or you or you don't like, um, acknowledge it, and move by it, and get get excited about what's in front of us. And uh, we we believe we have capable guys. We know we've got some guys that are capable of uh, of playing better for us, uh, and those players know that as well. 
And uh, I, trust me when I tell you this, it's not from a lack of care. It's not from a lack of try. These guys are these guys are good players, and we believe in them. So we're we're gonna we're gonna push one another here to be at our best. Uh, but for me, I, I I'm excited about just the opportunity to. Uh, to get a fresh start here, hit the reset button, and get excited about about what's in front of us. Well, a lot still to be written for the Penguins this season and a lot more to get to here on this Highmark Coaches Show. So stay with us after this break right here on the Penguins Radio Network. Welcome back as we get set for a road trip for the Penguins following their game against the Avalanche on Tuesday night. Looks like, Coach, that uh, coming out of the break, Josh Archibald certainly taking steps to getting back into this Penguins lineup. It's been a long time since December 3rd, I believe, and that was the last time he had played in the Penguins lineup before the All-Star break. Um, when you look about, when you look at your group and you look at what he does and what he means, uh, how much does he add to this forward group? I know it's not the biggest in size, but sounds cliche, one of the bigger in heart in this Penguins lineup. Yeah, I think Archie brings a lot to our team. You know, he brings a unique skill set in the sense that we don't have a lot of guys that play the game the way Archie plays it. He's He brings a ton of speed. He brings a lot of energy. Uh, he plays on the edge. He's He's got a physical dimension to his game. I think he makes it hard on uh, on our opponent's defensemen going back for pucks. He helps us create momentum, and he's a very good penalty killer for us. Uh, you know, before he before he got hurt, he was playing on a line with Teddy Bluger and, and Ryan Paling, and uh, and that line was very effective for us. They had a unique identity, that line in and of itself, and what they brought to our team. They uh, they they got a lot of D zone starts playing against other teams' top players. They brought a lot of energy. They helped us build momentum, and and they're conscientious two way players. So. Um, we we believe that that that's a line that can be effective for us moving forward, uh, and Archie's a huge part of that because of the the, the nature of how he plays, uh, the speed element, the physical element. Uh, you know, he's one, another one of those guys that that drags us into the fight, so to speak. And and I think he just brings that juice. And and when he does, that's contagious throughout our bench. Wait, I remember in the past you and I on this show we've talked a lot about who the Pittsburgh Penguins are and their identity and I remember you saying and you said this publicly too that uh, if 31 other teams are saying the same thing about your team on a nightly basis then you've established an identity this year's been a little different because you haven't necessarily been able to get your team completely together to establish that identity and obviously Archibald guys like Ryan Paling play a big role in that no Tristan Jari or Jan Ruder right now either um, how do you construct an identity in the midst of some absent pieces that really help to shape what the overall identity of a team is when they're not there? Well, I, I think that the reality is is uh, the I, Penguins hockey, as, as we call it a lot, I think doesn't change regardless of who's in our lineup and, and what does that look like. And, and you know, I, I don't think it's been any secret how, how we've had success here. And uh, I think we're trying, to play a, we're trying to play a speed game. We're trying to play a north-south game. Uh, you know, we want to be a team that plays with the puck, but we've got to do it responsibly. There's going to be times when we've got to make simple plays and, and play behind opponents, defensemen, force them to go back for pucks, and we've got to establish a, you know, a, a suffocating puck pursuit game. I think that's when our team's at its best. And so uh, that that's one aspect of, of our identity and, and, and what our game looks like uh, when we set ourselves up for success. The other aspect of it is is just being hard to play against. And, and the, the number one rule for me with being a team that's hard to play against is we can't be a team that beats itself. And you can beat yourself a lot of different ways. If you don't manage the puck, your line changes aren't, uh, you know, aren't crisp, um, you know, it, 
you take uh, undisciplined penalties. Uh, there, there's lots of different ways that, that teams beat themselves. And, and when we control all of those things throughout the course of games, I think that's when the Penguins, the Penguins' identity comes to the forefront. We just haven't brought it on a consistent basis, and that's our challenge moving forward. You mentioned a guy earlier in Ryan Paling and him playing uh, with Teddy Bluger and Josh Archibald and having success in the past. This is a guy that came in in the Jeff Petrie trade, and I think a lot of people had heard of him, didn't know a ton about him. He had a, a career year last year, granted just 17 points, but a career high with the Canadians before coming on board here. He returns against the Sharks in the game before the All-Star break, scores a shorthanded goal. Uh, he's tied for the team lead in that department with two, but what has he brought kind of in that bottom six type of role and the versatility uh, within his game that's allowed him to not just be in the fight for a roster spot, but kind of claim one here for the Penguins on a consistent basis. Well, Ryan's played really well for us uh, when we've had him in the lineup. And I, and I think that w- as far as what he's brought to, to our team and what he brings to our team is, and you spoke to this, Josh, when you, when you talked about versatility, he's a center by nature, but he can play the wing. So when he plays with a guy like Teddy Bluger, we've got two center icemen on that line. That, that's a comforting feeling when you put that, that line over the boards and they have to take a defensive zone faceoff, for example, against a, another team's top line. If, if one of them gets kicked out, the other one can go in and, and, uh, and has a comfort level on, on trying to win the faceoff. Um, he's a very good penalty killer. Uh, and, and, and he brings a two-way game. I, I think uh, his speed, his skating ability, I think flies under the radar. He, he brings a ton of speed mm-hmm. to that line. He's, he's got a real strong stride. Um, he, he, he has good offensive instincts. Uh, he can make a play offensively, but he's conscientious defensively. So I think that's the kind of player that, that he's evolved into here for, for our team. And, and just having the ability to move him around the lineup, whether we play him at center, play him on the wing he's been an integral part of the penalty kill and he scored some big goals for us and then putting him on the ice in in situations where we know we can rely on him and trust him uh that that he makes good decisions and he's hard to play against defensively that that's really the role that he's carved out and and in my mind he's uh he's really earned a spot in our top 12. Those guys certainly have played a key role. Uh, mentioned Paling, Bluger, Archibald especially when they're all together and healthy in the lineup but that's a part of a bigger part of your lineup in the bottom six. And I know that's kind of fallen under the microscope here a lot over the last month or so. And I did want to ask you about that because I think when you look at the names and you look at some of the droughts, and there's no reason to run down those names and those droughts because we all know who they are. From your perspective, how do you manage that in the coach's seat where it's guys that know how to do what they're not necessarily doing from the offensive production but as you mentioned earlier it's not for a lack of effort and it's not for a lack of try and I think we're all seeing that but the results necessarily on the score sheet aren't there I mean maybe that's when the coaching really comes into play from all the off ice aspect of it and the on ice as well but how do you kind of manage that when there are you know a handful of guys that are really struggling to just find of find that consistency on the score sheet well, we just talked to him about uh, ignoring the noise first and foremost, and and just focusing on the task at hand. And uh, I can tell you that that these guys, the care factor, uh, is very high in this locker room, and we've got players that are that are totally invested in helping the Penguins win. 
and uh, when when a player or players go through a bit of a struggle where they can't seem to score goals or they can't seem to produce offensively, no one feels it more than the players themselves. Right. You know, these guys are proud guys, and they they care about what's going on out there. And uh, you know, it's our job as coaches to try to help them through this process, and that's what we're trying to do. And 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 I think the best way to do it is is to just focus on the task at hand, stay in the moment. You know, let's not get, uh, let's not dwell on the past and things we can't change. Let's try to learn from it, but let's be a forward-thinking group. Let's get excited about the opportunities in front of us, and let's go go out there and try to maximize it. And and if we stay in the moment and just focus on the details, shift by shift, and and maybe take some of the focus off of trying to score goals, the byproduct will be they'll score some goals Mm -hmm. because these guys are good players, and when they play the game the right way, that the opportunities are going to present themselves. Many big games loom for the Penguins here down the final couple months of the regular season. A lot more for us to get to after this. Halfway through, but stay tuned for more on the Highmark Coaches Show here on the Penguins Radio Network. We're back here on the Highmark Coaches Show here on the Penguins Radio Network. Coach, uh, just wondering as far as the injury front is concerned, I'll knock on wood as I say this, but it's kind of getting smaller for you guys here on the Penguins front. Uh, Jan Ruda and Tristan Jari, as the team resumed practice in the beginning of the week, both skating prior to the team hitting the ice. Uh, where do they, those guys stand in their recovery? And, and um, not necessarily a timetable, but any kind of expectation on their front. So these guys, they're making significant progress. Uh, they're feeling really good. Uh, I, I wouldn't anticipate them being out much longer. Okay. Uh, that's our hope. And uh, and so we're we're hopeful that they're they're going to continue to make strides. Obviously, the next step is to get them in the team practices, and uh, we'll look to do that here. Hopefully, in the short term. Uh, and and obviously, we're a better team when these guys are in our lineup. They're important players for us, but uh, they're making progress. We're excited about uh, you know the the direction they're going right now. It's interesting because I feel like there were a few times over the last month and a half or so when some key bodies were out of the lineup that you looked around on the the plane, you looked around on the bench during the game, no Ty Hennis because he was back in Pittsburgh working with a lot of these injured guys. And I can't help but think, Coach, and I know we've talked about this before, but it doesn't seem to matter if it's Jeff Petrie or Ryan Paling. When these guys come back, they don't just come back into the lineup. They, they're they noticeable. They have an impact in the game. They're not necessarily eased back in uh, once they're ready for game action. I know that's not just Ty, but how much of it is Ty and, and the, the format and the, the template that's put forward to try to get these guys ready when they're rehabbing to come back to the ice? Well, Ty is a huge part of it. And, uh, the, you know, the, the, the return to play process that we've put in place here when they're, when they're ready to step onto the ice, even in a limited form or in a controlled fashion, and usually that's the case when they first go back onto the ice, regardless of what their injury is, Ties a big part of that, and uh, and and then the the progression that that they go through to the actual return to play ties a huge part of of building that that plan and that process. Uh, he really brings a unique skill set to the table. Uh, he has a background in in medicine. He's a chiropractor. Right. He's a doctor, and uh, and so he has an understanding of. Uh, of the injury process, he also is one of the best skills coaches that I've ever been around. And so his combination of hockey knowledge, uh, coaching knowledge, and the medical background that he brings to the table is really a unique skill set. I don't know of another team that has one. And so he wears a lot of hats for us, and and uh, and we're we're so fortunate to have him on our staff. We he was promoted this year, his title to uh, assistant coach. He's deserving of that because he helps us in so many capacities. You see him on the ice in practice, you know, putting our team through 
through different types of drills. He's he's our skills coach, so to speak. He works with all of our individual players uh, with their own individual respective games, both with video and on the ice, either before practice or after practice. And he's an integral part of the return to play process that you that you guys witness every single day with some of these guys. I will say uh, he is such a, a key part to working with these guys, but I also tend to think, you know, kind of transitioning – when I see these three-on-three -three overtimes, the tie would be a great guy for that because he's kind of a water bug out there. He's speedy, he's shifty. Uh, skating with him a few times, I can't keep up with him, so I, I know that personally. But I, I, you know, looking at the three-on-three -three overtime and just kind of how things have gone this year, obviously not the results you guys want um, in the win-loss column on that front. But how much of it has changed into a strategy as opposed to just a free-for-all of three guys on the ice on either side trying to get the puck and score into the opposing net? Well, there's, there's more strategy, I think, than, than people uh, realize. Um, and we've talked a lot about this uh, since day one of training camp. You know, that was one of our focal points coming out of training camp, an area where we thought there was a huge opportunity for us to improve and get better. And... Uh, it, it's an interesting part of the game for for me because in my time here, uh, there there were a few seasons where we were one of the better teams in the league in overtime. Right. And and the scenario hasn't changed a whole lot. And you know we brought certain strategies to the table on both sides of the puck, um, and we have a lot of similar guys that are playing in those circumstances. Uh, last year we we weren't as good. We took a step back. And, uh, and we looked at it in the offseason as a coaching staff, uh, and we brought, uh, and, and we brought what, what we thought was a, a, a game plan that could give our guys an opportunity to succeed again. And sometimes just shining the spotlight on it and challenging our group, that in and of itself uh, provides a lot of motivation for us to improve and get better in that area. One of the things we brought to our guys, for example, is 22% of the games last year in the whole league were decided in overtime or a shootout, 22 percent. Wow. That's, you know, one out of four, one yeah, out of five. Pretty much, yeah. That's a significant number, right? So there's opportunity there. Uh, this year here, uh, we've been involved in uh, 10. At least, I think, yeah, 12. Maybe 12, more, 12. Maybe, yeah. mm -hmm. So we looked at it a couple of weeks ago, and at the time, it was, I want to say it was close to 25 percent of our games we're in overtime, and I, and I remember having the conversation with our players saying, we're going to be in somewhere between 8 and 10 more of these between now and the end of the year. So that means there's 8 or 10 points on the table that we have an opportunity to grab if we're good in this area. We need to be better in this area. And so, and, and we've tried to bring some, some, some insights and some strategies to the table to, to set our guys up for success. Unlike last year, with this whole playoff format, I feel like when we came out of the all-star break, you guys obviously were in a playoff position, but the eight teams in the East were kind of set. It was just a matter of where they'd finish. And I remember talking to you on this show about the Metro. It was kind of, would it be Carolina? Would it be the Rangers? Would it be, uh, you know, the Capitals? Would one of those teams meet you guys in that 2-3 matchup? We obviously know it ended up being the Rangers. But this year, as, as I was looking before you and I spoke here ahead of this game Tuesday against Colorado, Seven teams are within seven points for the final playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. That includes the Penguins, by the way. How does that kind of change the dynamic of this stretch that, yeah, every game's important. Yeah, as you mentioned earlier, these games seem to matter more. But when you hear something like that, it's almost emphasized that those points that you mentioned, the overtime points, the regulation points even, uh, seem to loom even larger game by game. 
Yeah, for sure they do. I think that the reality is, is you know, there's more parity in the league now than there ever has been. Uh, you know, I I knew last year was was a unique circumstance. That's usually not the case. Right. Uh, you know, when when you're competing for playoff spots, uh, my experience has been most of the time it comes down to the last week before you even solidify a spot. And so, I, I think what the what the reality is 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 our playoffs start now. We we've got to we've got to give ourselves a chance, and and the best way to do that is to stay in the moment. And so let's understand it. Let's see the big picture and understand that we're, we're in a dogfight here uh, to, to make the playoffs. And we need to have a heightened awareness with respect to that so that we don't miss an opportunity to grab points along the way. And we've already had these discussions with our guys here for a couple of weeks and the, and the importance of it so that, uh, so that we, don't, we can't possibly misunderstand the circumstance that we're in. And so, uh, and and that that's the way I see it. And and the other aspect of it is is let's get excited about it. These yeah. are meaningful games, right? You know, this is what this is what it's all about. Is is uh, is when you have the opportunity to compete in meaningful games, where where you got a chance to solidify a playoff spot and 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 you know punch your ticket to the dance, so to speak. So you got a chance to compete for the Stanley Cup. It's the most exciting time to play for every player. It's the most exciting time to be a part of it as a coach. So we need to get excited about that. We need to embrace that challenge. Penguins are going to start off this stretch here down the uh, finish line route where they'll play 33 games in 66 days starting against Tuesday and the Colorado Avalanche. We'll wind down after this here on the Highmark Coaches Show here on the Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network. We welcome you back to the Highmark Coaches Show and uh, coach a couple of big weeks, or I should say Mondays, uh, on tap in Boston, Massachusetts, your native land, uh, the Bean Pot, as BU, Harvard, Northeastern, and BC will go head to head at uh, TD Garden, home of the Bruins, to decide who takes home the Bean Pot. I know that you are far removed from your time at BU. You're not necessarily in the Boston area anymore, at least during the regular season of hockey. Um, do you keep an eye on it? Are you focusing on your Terriers in this situation? Josh, no matter where I am in, in a hockey season over the last, uh, you know, 30-plus years, I'm trying to think of how long I've been out of college, uh, we always tune in for the bean pots. I, they're just uh, – it's a spectacular college hockey tournament. It was so much fun to play in it as a player and be a part of it. It means a lot to the college hockey environment in the Boston area. It's essentially the bragging rights right. of, the, of being the best college hockey team in the city. Right. And so it's, uh, it's more than a trophy. Uh, the people that play in it, uh, I think, uh, have a certain reverence about that, about that tournament. Uh, I sent uh, Jay Pandolfo, the BU coach, a, a, a text this morning telling him, go Terriers, we'll all be tuning in. <laughs> and uh, that, that's just how it's always been in my family. And so uh, I've got brothers, that, uh, brothers and sisters. One of my brothers played at Northeastern. I, my, my older brother and sister uh, went to Boston College. My wife went to Boston College. So we, we've got the rivalry yeah. just within our own family. That, that, yeah, we, we always have a lot of fun on the Beanpot Mondays. But tonight uh, is always an exciting night, and I'll be tuning in. It is always a fun time. And I know here in the rink, too, uh, not as many – BUBC as there were maybe say three four years ago especially within your room and outside but on your coaching staff you have a couple I mean you have to kind of hold down the BU side of things it seems like yeah for sure we lost some BU guys in our <laughs> hockey ops that uh, that I was a little bit bummed out about but uh, there's still some there's there's still some uh, some bean pot people in our, in our hockey ops Madison Nickel one of our video guys uh, went to BC Ty Hennis as you know was yeah. uh, played at BC. 
but but there's a, inside the Penguins organization. There's always been this uh, this fun rivalry with wh- whether it be some of the players, Brian Dumoulin or right. Zach Aston Reese went to Northeastern, or uh, you know Billy Guerin went. You know, was a BC guy. Right. We had a lot of laughs with him. Scott Young was part of our development department. It was another BU guy. So we've always had <laughs> a lot of like BU people or or, or a Beanpot people, I should say, right. on on all different sides. Which is uh, it's always fun to to uh, to joke around about that stuff. Well, it was BU who took it home last year. We'll see if they can uh, defend that title this year uh, in the bean pot. As far as your group here in Pittsburgh, we mentioned a matchup Tuesday night against the defending champs, Colorado, coming to town to take you out of the all-star break. And then you'll go out to California. And I couldn't help but notice that coming out of the break, it's Colorado, Anaheim, Los Angeles, San Jose. Uh, you just faced the Sharks on the other end of the break before that all-star pause. East versus West. There was always this, uh, I guess, stereotype, you know, even going back, whatever, five, ten years ago, that the West was more heavy. It was bigger. It was a little slower paced. The East was fast paced. Um, You're watching these teams now in the playoffs. You watched the Stanley Cup final last year at the Colorado Avalanche. I think slow would be the last thing that anyone would use to uh, define the Avalanche, the way they play. I'm curious now just kind of how the league's evolved, how speed's become such a, a big part of each team's overall style of game is there that much of a difference between the East and the West anymore? I don't think so. I, I think, uh, you know, this league tends to be a copycat league, and everybody looks at the teams that are having success, and they try to emulate uh, that success and, and, and just identifying why is it that certain teams or certain organizations are enjoying that success and, and what can we do to try to, uh, to try to set our organization up for success. So I think you're right, Josh, and, and – and in uh, that observation that, um, you know, I, I show me a team that's that's good in this league that that's slow. I, I just don't think they exist anymore. Yeah. You know, some are faster than others. And there's there there are unique. Uh, I think there are unique attributes to, you know, each different team uh, in, in as far as what their identity is and and how they go about it. But. I think speed, in, in a lot of ways, is the ultimate competitive advantage. And, and the best teams, uh, they play some sort of a speed game, whether it be just short, sheer physical foot speed or uh, your ability to change the point of attack by, with team speed and, and, and pass on the puck and things of that nature. So uh, I, don't, I don't see a, a, a huge difference between the West and the East anymore. You know, there are certain teams on both sides, on both the West and the East, that um, – you know that that have identities that lend one way or the other. You right. know, a team like Washington has always been a physical, heavy team, for example. And all the years that we've been battling inside our division for for the Stanley Cup, but that 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 I think is one of the strengths of how they're built. It starts with Ovechkin and right. and some of their core people. And you know, we've tended to you know to be a speed team with and 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 I think that lends to the to the core that we have and and setting ourselves up for success. So every team has a, a little bit of unique identity but I don't think there's a, a, a delineation between the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference like there once was. We look forward to seeing the Penguins continue to hone their identity here down these final couple months of the regular season, and we're looking forward to getting out of this Pittsburgh cold, although I should say it was really only a couple days there during the All-Star break and getting out to California for those matchups uh, out that way later on into the week into the weekend. Coach, always appreciate your time. Uh, I'm glad you had a good break, and we're looking forward to this stretch run, so thanks again for taking the time. Yeah, thanks, Josh. It's my pleasure. I'm really excited about the stretch run as well, and we're hoping that, uh, that we can come together as a group here and really challenge. 
Agreed. Penguins and Ducks coming your way here on Friday night on the Penguins Radio Network. 9 o'clock on the pregame show. 10 o'clock puck drop from Honda Center in Anaheim, California. So stay tuned for that later on this week. For Penguins head coach Mike Sullivan and our executive producer Wayne Gretzky-Anderson, I'm Josh Getzoff. This has been the Highmark Coaches Show. Good night, everybody.